Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Top of the List. I'm your host Dom, here with my co-host RB. Say what's up RB. What's up everybody? And we return to talk about the finale of Ahsoka. It came out last night as of our recording, recording this Wednesday. Um, came out last night. We've seen all eight episodes of Ahsoka. Um, we've reviewed episodes one and two in the episode. And we've also reviewed episode five, which we felt was a very special episode. Um, that We did that, labeled it as a breakdown. We totally went into detail in everything in that episode. You can go ahead and check that one out. We have not discussed episodes 6 and 7 and, of course, the finale, episode 8. So we're going to be discussing those three episodes here and, more specifically, the finale. Um, So before we get into anything, if you haven't seen the entirety of Ahsoka yet, please go and watch it. And then come back and we're going to be talking about spoilers. So you want to take it away here, RB, with the spoiler alert? Yep, cue in in the spoiler alert. (laughs) Wee-oo-wee-oo-wee-oo. So, I think it's best to start off our B with our feelings as a whole before we go ahead and break down the specifics here. Um, because there's a lot of stuff, a lot of callbacks to the Clone Wars, a lot of callbacks to Rebels that I want to go into detail in. But um, I think we should just overall, this is top of the list, let's just talk about where does this sit? Does this sit at the top of the list as far as the Star Wars live action series? Is it, you know, what position is it at for you, RB? Yeah. This is well at the bottom of my list. Um, this is a six and a half out of ten show for me. This is not a good show. This is a better than okay show with some great moments. Don't get me wrong. But you take all those great moments over eight episodes and you lump them all together and you make this into a brilliant movie. This is one consistent arc, this whole show. We've had some of the Star Wars shows before, a la Obi-Wan, a la... Mandalorian, where we need it to be broken down into a show because we have these little side missions here or there. This is one consistent arc. There are no side missions in this show. There is no reason this needs to be spread out over eight episodes because I think we have, once again, a lot of cool action scenes, a lot of cool exposition scenes, but too much filler in between. And that is my biggest flaw with this show. So I can't give this anything better than a six and a half out of ten. Again, some amazing sequences, don't get me wrong, and one truly amazing episode, which we reviewed in episode five, but just there's not enough substance in this show for me to say it was even a good show. I really struggled with this one. See, and I kind of sit on the complete opposite of this, RB. I okay. I don't think this is the top of the list for me. No way. I, if you would have asked me before, I, I was thinking this would be the top of the list as far as Star Wars shows yeah, for me. Yeah, me too. Me too. But it's not. But it's not. Let's be real. It's not. And um, I think that Andor and I think that Obi-Wan were a lot better than this show. A lot more consistent. Right there with you. Those are the top of my list. Yeah, so those are definitely my sitting at my one and two for sure. Um, I don't know if I put this at number three. I think that there's a few seasons of The Mandalorian that might have edged this one out to, for the number three spot. But I would, I would firmly put this as number four. I think this is better than The Book of Boba Fett a lot better. Um, but I will say that Episodes 1, 2, and 3 did hurt the pacing of this show. It took a long time for this show to get going at all. But what I do have to say is that I really enjoyed the back half of this show. Like you said, RB, 5, 6, 7, and 8. I thought those were all really great episodes. I know you really enjoyed episode 5. I thought that they didn't miss after they went to episode 5 personally. Um, There was just so much um, addition into the Star Wars uh, canon, the Star Wars lore. Uh, in those back half of the season that 
I just loved it. And we get callbacks to some of my favorite arcs in the Clone Wars, namely the Mortis episodes with the Mortis gods. Love that in the finale. Um, and we also get, I have to say, this is heavily weighing on my um, score. We have the best Star Wars villain besides Darth Vader. Better than the Emperor, better than any other villain that we've seen in any of the Mandalorian shows, better than Moff Gideon. Grand Admiral Thrawn's appearance in this show was absolutely perfect, in my opinion. I thought he brought this show to a whole nother level whenever he was on screen. So, See, um, and overall, I, I struggle. Uh-huh. I struggle with his character. Like, go ahead and give your score, but let, yeah. let's discuss Thrawn when we get into that. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, overall, I think I give this show an 8.5 out of 10. Um, I've given Mandalorian a uh, 9 before. I've given Mandalorian a 9.5. I think season 2 I gave 9.5 because Luke Skywalker was in that, in that season. But yeah. um, uh, I gave Obi-Wan a, you know, as close to a 10 as I could. I, I, we went on record saying. And um, Andor, I gave 9.5 as well. So I, mm-hmm. I thought that just mm-hmm. did so much for the Star Wars universe. Uh, so, yeah, so I'd, I'd go ahead and give this one 8.5. Uh, just just slightly below those shows. Um, yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. So you and I definitely sitting on opposite spectrums here. Um, let's let's talk. You know, I, I said let's talk about Thrawn, but I just think bigger picture where okay. I struggle the most with this show mm-hmm. is my lack of understanding of most of the characters motives. Mm. That's where I struggle the most with this show is that. We're not really clear on Thrawn's motive. Thrawn wants to rebuild the Empire, I guess, but Thrawn always has an ulterior motive. It's not touched on here. We know there's something going on, but again, the fact that we're doing this show simply to set up Dave Filoni's Star Wars Thrawn movie, I mean, to me, that's all it felt like with the use of Thrawn in this show. We never get enough of his back background and we don't get a lot of his backstory you know i would have liked to see a lot more of how thrawn survived you know how did he find these night sisters in a distant galaxy how did he rebuild this army of you know stormtroopers with the kind of gold uniform i mean he wasn't transported there with a full brigade like we see here how did he rebuild this army i mean i know he's been gone for that long but I don't think these people, you know, who are these in the in the stormtrooper clone whatever armor? You know, it it really was a head scratcher to me. Just to the point, you know, how did he and Ezra Bridger survive on this remote planet after we presumed honestly since the end of uh the end of Rebels that they're dead? Yeah, that yeah, I could see where you're coming from, RB, but I wouldn't have really found that any of that interesting, you know, I'm as far as I know, they just Ezra escaped, and he went off to live in the wastes and just survive. And uh, as they said in the finale, Thrawn he went to this uh, Night Sister temple, and he awakened the three great mothers there. Um, I think that's all that needed to be said, really, in that aspect. But they just they just happened to get lucky and fall on this Night Sister planet. I mean, from what we've learned from the Star Wars Empire, Star Wars universe so far. It's that the Night Sisters are their homeworld is Dathomir, where is where we end, where Thrawn and and the grandma, uh, great mothers end up at the end of this show. But I mean, so there's Night Sisters elsewhere. I mean, this is 
there's just a lot of assumptions, a lot of liberties taken without explaining this deeper Star Wars universe. Do I think it may have been more boring? Absolutely, but I think it's important to include. Even oh, if I... we have a Star Wars, a la, you know, a original mm-hmm. Star Wars film, rolling right. credit, explaining it. I would have been fine with right. that. But there were, to me, going in, far too many questions I had about Thrawn and Ezra Bridger's survival that weren't answered, especially because, like I said... Thrawn has this full-on army built up. Yeah, and that's because he had an entire Star Destroyer of troops there with him. And that's what was transported into this other planet. Um, I, 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 didn't I, really, I didn't really think I that was an I issue. I struggled with it. And, and here's I, the other I thing, RB. I struggled from the beginning because uh-huh. we, we, I think we were all supposed to presume, maybe I'm mistaken here, but at the end of Rebels, Ezra sacrificed himself there's a chance that he's out there but i think that was the general assumption was that with the star destroyer destroyed that people could not survive that trip through hyperspace but you know of course this is the star wars universe and the whales brought them to this planet and as far as you're saying rb um i thought it was all explained perfectly and i i personally thought episode six was if not my favorite one of my favorite episodes of this show um, I thought they explained it beautifully in the first five minutes of the show. Um, Morgan Elspeth is a, a night sister that was on Dathomir, right? So in Star Wars Galaxy, Dathomir is the planet that they migrated to. As we've been discussing throughout our reviews, RB, these uh, whales follow a migration path, right, from our uh, the familiar galaxy we're with the galaxy we're familiar mm-hmm. with in the Star Wars mm-hmm. universe to this other galaxy and. In the first five minutes of uh, episode six, they explained that this is Peridia. This is the graveyard yep. of the, spa- the star whales. And um, so it would make sense that they would go to this planet whenever you know Ezra said, take me far away from... Because obviously he's reaching into these animals' minds in the finale of mm-hmm. Rebels. Mm-hmm. And he yep. says, you know, take me as far away from here as you can. So where do the whales go? Well, they go to their graveyard, right? Because that's right. in a completely different galaxy. And then, of course, you were wondering, why, why is, how is there another planet where the Night Sisters are? Well, I thought it was greatly explained where she said, Dathomir is the planet that we have migrated to. This right. is our true home world where we were the first beings to ever ride the space whales, which, you know, that makes great sense because we've seen, you know, Jedi have been able to harness that power. And we saw Ahsoka harness that power in the show. And, um, yeah, so this is where the people of Dathomir originally came from. This is where their original homeworld was. Okay. I mean, I, I can... <laughs> I can. Again, I think it's a stretch. I'm sorry. Yeah. I have... Mm-hmm. It feels like they're stretching to keep this story going. And again, that's where... And I've always... You know, let's, let's talk about, you know, different places where we've penciled in. I think the beauty of both the Clone Wars and Rebels. I think those were the first projects that really, okay, let's pencil something in within an already established timeline. They do it. They do so rather seamlessly. It doesn't feel forced or wedged in. To right. me, this just felt a little forced. And I, I felt the same way about mm-hmm. certain Mandalorian episodes. Yeah. And um, I think that it just has to do with adding new things here. This is... Uh, yeah, I, I know, yeah. yeah it's just, it's just and, new... And, new stuff yeah and again you know i i think disney is thinking let's continue to grow star wars for a younger generation but i feel 
about this, you know, I'm, I'm into Star Wars for nostalgia because as we've discussed countless times on this episode, I want to be as hyped as I was the first time I went and saw Attack of the Clones in theaters, which was my first Star Wars movie. And I'm sure people of an older generation felt a little grumpy when it came to the, the prequels and introducing all of these new characters instead of building on the end of Return of the Jedi. So, I, I mean, I'm see, sure there's been same frustration for every generation. See, I see this show as the complete opposite of that point, though, because okay, okay. If, if you bring this into a new generation, they would have no idea who Kanan Jarrus is. They'd have no idea they'd name drop Asajj Ventress. They'd have no idea who the Night Sisters are if you haven't seen the Clone Wars. They'd have no idea who the Gods of Mortis are if you haven't seen the Clone Wars. You know, you wouldn't know who Ezra Bridger is or Sabine Wren or any of the history of the Mandalorians that happened in Rebels. I feel like this show was made for people that want that nostalgia from watching these shows. Um, that came out, uh, you know, what was Clone Wars at, at least 10 years ago at this point. Um, yeah, so I I feel like this show is not made for the new Star Wars fans. That's what the sequels are for. That's what the Acolyte is for. That's what, um, what's that new one? Skeleton Crew that's going to be coming out next year. That's what that one's for. The, those are new characters that we've never seen before. This show was completely filled with characters that we had already seen before. Lore that was being expanded upon that was previously established. And, um, yeah, that's why I personally enjoyed the show was, like, my mom was watching this with me. And she's seen some of the Clone Wars, but she doesn't really remember most of it. So I had to stop and explain it to her all the time. So I could just imagine someone that had never seen that would have zero interest in this show because they're like, I no idea what the heck's going on. But, so I can see what you can don't say you there. don't you feel as, as though the Clone Wars, especially with the re, revamp of the Clone Wars, the last season and whatnot, that to me that's the start of this new, let's call it Disney Star Wars generation. I mean, to me, there are distinct generations of Star Wars fans. There's obviously mm-hmm. the first wave that came out in the 70s, starting with A New Hope. Then you have the second wave, the late 90s, early, two, early 2000s with the original prequel trilogies. And then you have this sort of Disney side that, okay, let's introduce it with the Clone Wars and Rebels and the new, the new sequels. And I understand Clone Wars came a little bit before the original Clone Wars, but this revamp with Disney acquiring Lucasfilms. Yeah, I and I, I think that's what that. this is designed for—is that third wave of Star Wars fans. I see the third wave of Star Wars Whereas fans that me, you're describing as beginning with the Force Awakens, because I see the Clone Wars as Correct. still okay. part of George Lucas's story. George Lucas was involved with the first three to four seasons of the Clone Wars, and then he handed it over to Dave Filoni, which was his, you know, uh, I don't know what you would call that successor. I guess you could say. As far yeah, as, yeah, as yeah, that handling that storyline. Yeah. And, so, and yeah. you, would, you would know this much more than me. Again, I don't think the Asajj Ventress mention is, is – it's it's a small Easter egg. But, it's a, but yeah. Dathomir is, right. is a major, major contender in the Night Sisters. Right. And I don't know how early or late they were added in to the Clone Wars arc, if that was mm-hmm. a Filoni thing or if that was a Lucas thing. So that I don't know. Yes. Yeah, that was – yeah, that was like kind of them working together as far as the Clone Wars was. Now, let me okay. bring a little comparison because I find this concept, this interesting, this discussion here. Let's talk about mm-hmm. how this compares to The Rise of Skywalker because okay. I feel like this is a very apt comparison. I know you're a fan of The Rise of Skywalker, RB. Oh, yes. I have a oh, lot yes. of nitpicks with that movie, but overall I think it's a decent, a decent film. Um, now, I, I could see why you would say what you're saying because like in Rise of Skywalker – 
out of nowhere, we get this idea that there's this planet called Exegol, right? Which mm-hmm. is, I mean, come on. It's in the outer reaches of space, very similar to what we're dealing with in Peridia, right? Yep. Okay? Yep. And we're just supposed to believe that the Emperor has been sitting on this planet, building up an empire much like Thrawn, right? So very similar plot lines here. Very, very mm-hmm. similar plot and, lines. And without a doubt, my biggest nitpick is in Rise of Skywalker is Exegol and the mm-hmm. what is the the Lost Fleet or uh, right. I think, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So very, very similar plot lines here. Now, here's why I think this is better, and I think this is where we're going to differ, RB. This is mm-hmm. leading to a movie. Had had all yes. of that been teased and then been leading to a big movie, I would have been okay. like, okay, Rise of Skywalker has some great potential in it. Now, we know Ahsoka is leading to a big movie with Grand Admiral Thrawn as the main villain in the future, and we're going to see more Night Sisters, and we're going to see Ezra again, and we're going to see Ahsoka and Sabine escape this planet. Um, so I'm okay with all that, and, and that's kind of why I'm okay with it. Now, doesn't mean that I want, didn't want to see more. That's my biggest nitpick with the finale is I wanted to see more. I, want, I, yeah. I wanted it to keep going. Oh, I, I paused this one with 10 minutes left saying, and this I think at the 10-minute mark, that's right when Thrawn makes the jump and ends up outside of Dathomir, or mm-hmm. it, you know, within orbit of Dathomir. Right. And at this point, I paused it. I said, how the hell are they going to wrap all this up in 10 minutes? <laughs> that's what I, I was thinking yeah. the exact same thing, and, and that's, that's the biggest flaw I could, I could put against the show is that, number one, I mean, it has to do with the pacing, right? The sl- the show yep. started yep. off slow, and it ended us with it ended with us wanting more, right? I I, I would have wanted at least another fifteen to twenty minutes of this last episode. Well, it, um, it, it it ends with a with an extremely sour note. I mean, nothing much changes, with the exception of our key villain Thrawn. Yeah. Now no longer trapped, but great, we trade places. Ezra and Ahsoka trade pra- trade places. Mm-hmm. I mean, the major change is. All of this happened to free Thrawn. I mean, yeah. Balin and his his apprentice, who I thought we were going to get more and more on, just completely fall off. And they're on the lost planet with Ahsoka right. and Sabine. My prediction is they're not even going to be in this movie. That's just yeah. all set up for Ahsoka season two, which is going to be about them trying to survive and get off of this planet. I don't even mm. know if that's going to play in the new Dave Filoni film about Thrawn. Right. But all of this show was simply to set up Thrawn is back. Here's how he got back for the for the movie. And I think yeah. that's my biggest gripe with this is that could have been done in a film of its own. Do two yeah. Dave Filoni movies. I did not need to sit through eight episodes of this because, again, this show was called if, Ahsoka. And I don't think we got all that much Ahsoka in it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think we got a good amount of Ahsoka, especially really? okay. we got one okay. episode all around her for sure. We got but, one yeah. key episode that yeah. felt – like Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. This show, I, I mean, again, it was Ahsoka, but it was also essentially, I mean, felt like Rebels. Zeb yeah. didn't show up, which really pissed me off because I love <laughs> Zeb and we saw him tease that we know he's around because we saw him in Mandalorian, I believe it was. Uh, yeah. Um, in the last season. Mm-hmm. So no Zeb, which was a bummer. Uh, was that Mandalorian or was it? Yeah, Mandalorian it season Andor. three. Okay, it was, it wasn't it was Andor? Mandalorian season three, yeah. Okay, got it, got it. But yeah, I, I get what you're meaning. Um, yeah, it just, it just seems tried to like do the, too much, and it didn't need to. It seems like just a, just a few of the pieces were moved. It wasn't like brought to any finality in any way. Yes, correct. Yeah, correct. And I think, and this is the only thing that's kind of like I'm kind of holding back a little bit on on leveling this too much. But like, mm-hmm. I feel like Dave Filoni as a writer writ this 
show to end like the Empire Strikes Back. I, I right. feel a lot. Feels. Absolutely. It feels a lot like the Empire Strikes Back, but here's the only thing is that there was such massive character changes in the Empire Strikes Back. There were such massive shifts as far as uh, you know who what's whose fate is you know what's the fates of a lot of characters were up in the air. How about the greatest reveal in probably cinematic history? Yeah. No, Luke, I am your father. Right. There wasn't any big reveal like that. There was, like you said, RB. This and this is my main argument is that this is for Star Wars fans like you and me that have like been watching for the little tiny clues throughout every Clone Wars episode, throughout every Rebels episode. That's a little tiny callback throughout this show. This show had just a bunch of callbacks, which I like. Yes. I'm, I'm there for all the little callbacks, but there wasn't any big reveals, which is what Correct. would make everybody love the show, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody would love the show if there was a massive reveal or something like that. So That's exactly I can see what, what I was you're waiting saying. for. Yeah, I can see what you're saying, yeah, for yep. sure. But, I mean, where, where it all shakes down, it is what it is. The show's out, and I think the, the only thing left for us to really discuss is where we think you know these characters that where they've left off and where they're going next so we've got i I think two very separate as i pitched storylines we've got who's going to remain in the thrawn dave filoni movie and who's going to remain in ahsoka season two which isn't officially announced yet but i think everyone is pretty clear that that will be coming at some point and i think it's clear and obvious that uh outside of thrawn it's going to be Ezra and Hera, who are going to be sparking a counter to whatever Thrawn and the night the the great mothers have cooking up on Dathomir. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think this is going uh-huh. to tie in the, the the Mandalorian as well. Yeah, it's definitely going to bring all that together. Um, I have a feeling that there's going to be some sort of um, Thrawn could be double crossed by the Night Sisters in some way. Um, maybe he doesn't see their true motivations because one thing that I loved about Thrawn's character that was carried over into this series was how perplexed by the Force he is. He says, and even mm-hmm. he admits it in this final episode, he says, I've also failed at sometimes against these Jedi. And um, he's talking about how Ezra outsmarted him in the finale, of course. And yep. Um, yep. I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of plotting going on on the dark side. Um, we already see that there's turmoil going on within the Imperial Remnants with Moff Gideon, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be curious to see what's going on with all of that. Um, this uh, originally the the movie uh, that's going to be coming out that Dave Filoni's writing is called "Heir to the Empire," and originally that was a novelization yep. that was, for all intents and purposes, a sequel to Return of the Jedi, and mm-hmm. I think that's. As far as what I want, that's what I want. I want a sequel to Return of the Jedi, which, of course, the book itself was totally different characters, right? There was Thrawn in it. He was one of the same characters, uh, right. the characters that carried over. But we had Luke Skywalker's daughter, Mara Jade, in it. And we had all kinds of different things in that book that doesn't – it's not part of the canon anymore. But um, mm-hmm. I think that, like you said, RB, I think we're going to be seeing something that has to do with Hera and the Rebellion and uh, Ezra taking point instead of Luke Skywalker against Thrawn, um, which I think is what we're going to be getting as a story. And I'm worried, like you said. And yet we we have Luke Skywalker's existence at this point and his construction of his Jedi Temple. I mean, at this point, we've got to remember that our heroes, who we haven't really seen 
in their full glory post um, uh, post uh, Return of the Jedi, but pre uh, the Force Awakens. I mean, we've heard badass stories of Luke and Leia and Han. I mean, they're still around. I mean, my hope is we don't completely ignore their existence in this Dave Filoni film because they're around. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think what all this is leading towards is we're trying to explain one of the worst lines in Star Wars history. I hate to say it because I did enjoy a lot of Rise of Skywalker, but it did have one of the worst lines in history. Somehow the Emperor returned. I think that's what we're trying to explain here, right? We saw it in Mandalorian. And like literally, like what's his name? Uh, one of the pilots, he says that he literally says somehow the Emperor returned. Like that's just that's what that, that's the explanation in the movie besides the cloning tubes but um, right, we saw right. in Mandalorian that they're trying to take Grogu's DNA that's a little thread that we've getting trying mm-hmm. to connect this to the Force Awakens trilogy um, yeah and now we're getting this I, I have a feeling that Thrawn since he was the Emperor's right hand man has an idea of this plan that the Emperor has and he's trying to set in motion those events in some way perhaps or uh, what I'd oh, like to see is doubt. Thrawn Thrawn maybe try to double cross the Emperor in the event of his death and try to take over as the Emperor himself. I wouldn't mind ah, seeing okay. that for this okay. character. Yeah. That that could be an interesting plot line. And again, I have no problem with this setting up a movie. Mm-hmm. I just wish it was its own film. Right. Or right. and I, I mean this is this is maybe going to be over simplification. I feel like a lot of this, maybe not all of it, but a lot of it, if we went film instead of eight-part series, anything that was left out, rolling credit scene before we start this next film. It did not need to be as fleshed out as it was because, again, it led to a lot of pacing issues, as we've discussed. For you, it seemed to be a little bit less of a problem than it was for me. Um, But, again, I think that also comes with you being far more observant of the Star Wars lore and recognizing <laughs> yeah. some of the, the Easter eggs that I may have missed, the callbacks that I may have missed, which is where I struggled because, you know, I know this has been, you know, I've, I've gotten into this as a resurgence since the films have come out, getting into these shows, but I know it's been far more your bread and butter, your area of expertise. Yeah, and I, I think that what Ahsoka did really well, better than... Um for instance, Book of Boba Fett, uh, was the action. And that's kind of where I give Ahsoka a lot of points. I think that Ahsoka had some of the best lightsaber battles we've seen. Um, I loved Morgan Elspeth versus Ahsoka in this finale. I thought that was a fantastic battle. Um, Every time Ahsoka fought Balin, I thought that was awesome. Um, I love seeing Sabine and Ezra and Ahsoka fight off an army of undead stormtroopers. I mean, how cool was that? I thought that was so cool. Um, There was a lot of cool things that the action was on point in this show I think that's why I give it a lot of credit there um, and just as far as uh, Balin um, he's such a cool character I, I know that he didn't really end up doing much but mm-hmm. he, the idea of his character was awesome a, a Jedi that doesn't want to be a Sith doesn't want to be a Jedi wants to be something more he's searching for the beginning he's searching for the Mortis gods as we see in the end of the show and I, I that has know, a lot though. of potential did I, did... Does he not give you... I mean, I feel like his story has been fleshed out before. He reminds me very much of Kylo Ren's, you know, sort of internal struggle at the end of... Not The Force Awakens, not Rise of Skywalker. What's the one in the middle? The Last Jedi. Last Jedi, yeah. 
I mean, his whole thing when he's, you know, Jedi Sith, it doesn't matter. Empire, just rule it with me, him, when he's, when he's offering that to, um, to Rey. I mean, it, it's the challenging of the Force does not need to be split into Jedi or Sith. It, there's a deeper meaning behind it. And I think that's been delved into nicely with, uh, with Rebels and the introduction of the Bendu and whatnot. And, you know, even the Night yeah. Sisters before that and the explana- explanation of other Force wielders that aren't Jedi or Sith. I just feel like it's not all that original of a character. And it was a character that, you know, was just there to be there. I'm hoping we get his character and his apprentice's character more fleshed out in the next season of Ahsoka. And obviously, there it would seem that they are going to be the main adversaries to Ahsoka and Sabine in that season as they quest, I guess, to get back home. Or maybe they're just around to kick some ass and save these little crawling people dudes. <laughs> And I, clan. I see what you're saying there, RB. I, I just saw Balin's motive as something else besides he doesn't want to rule the galaxy. He even says, you know, she when he's talking to his apprentice, and I think it's episode six or seven, where she says, you know, I thought we were working with Thrawn, and, you know, aren't we going to take, uh, won't uh, us helping Thrawn put us in power again? And he says, no, mm-hmm. that kind of power is fleeting. The power of ruling over, the power of the Empire, that's not what we're after. We're after... I, what I saw as some sort of religious awakening, some sort of religious power uh, behind these gods of Mortis. Right, but did he know he was even headed to... You know, he, how did he know where he was even headed? I mean, his it job was, was to get this... It's a religious power. He was being called... He said, okay. I, I feel something calling out to me, a voice in the distance, you know, like... Okay. It, it's a religious Similar calling. Similar to how Morgan Elsbeth was able to find the map. Exactly, okay. exactly. Yeah, so... And now here's here's my biggest worry about where we're going here to end this show is Ray Stevens Stevenson dies right of course right, he's dead right. in real life um, unfortunately you know rest in peace but how are we going to get a conclusion of the character without the actor and um, that makes me believe that my personal prediction is that when we see Ahsoka next she's going to have discovered where he went to and she's going to find a skeleton or something and find out that he died on his mission. And, you know, I think that's the only way they can really write around it. Unless they recast him, I mean, I don't know how they could do that, though. I mean, he's pretty recognizable, so... I'm interested to see where that arc will go, although it seems like we might never see the conclusion, which worries me. I I think we'll see what happens with Thrawn, but I don't know if we're going to see what happens with all of that on Peridia. Well, I certainly hope that we do, because to me, that's the only way we could redeem this show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I am excited for the Dave Filoni movie. I want to see um, I want to see a big crossover. I want to see all the characters on the screen. I want to see um, Avengers Endgame level. I want to see Luke show up. I want to see Mando there at the same time. I want to see Grogu. I want to see Ezra meeting Luke Skywalker. I mean, I feel like that's what we deserve after having built up all of these other shows. We want to see everything together on the screen at once. I want to see Ahsoka at the same time as Sabine and Hera and the Rebels crew. Um, I want to see Princess Leia. Why can't we not get a younger version of Princess Leia cast as well? Why can't we not right, do that? Right, We've had Han. We've had Luke. You're absolutely right. So, yeah. That's what, that's what I want to see. I really hope that in the future they forget about this whole thing like they did at the end of Rogue One. And although I thought it looked great in Book of Boba Fett... 
I would have much preferred to see the actor that was doing the motion capture for Luke be Luke Skywalker. If you ever look at the behind-the-scenes footage RB of the guy that I, – I forget what the, the, the guy's name. I think it's Graham something. But um, the guy that did the motion capture for Luke Skywalker, the actual body, he looks a lot like Mark Hamill when he was that age. Why not just make that guy look the character? Like why not just recast the actor like we did for Han Solo like you said? I, I right, want to see right. that. I prefer that over them just putting a, you know, CG face over somebody. I prefer having a real actor there. Um, that's just my personal take on it, though. Okay, okay, yeah. So Graham Hamilton versus Max Lloyd Jones. Mm-hmm. We're saying so. Max Lloyd Jones is who did the motion capture, and Graham Graham Hamilton was who played him in Book of Boba Fett. But no, mm-hmm. I, I see what you're saying, and yeah, I, I, again, I certainly hope that that's what this is building up to. But with all that being said about, you know, to me this is the uh, Thor The Dark World, this show, of mm. the build-up to, uh, to this quote-unquote endgame level status for Disney+. Plus. The best thing about this finale to me is that it just means we're now one day out from the premiere of Loki, which I'm certainly hopeful is better than this in the MCU. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm very skeptical of this new Loki show, but... I do have to say, season one of Loki ended up being one of the stronger shows, right? In the mm-hmm. grand scheme mm-hmm. of them, after all we got, we, I mean, you yep. and I both enjoyed WandaVision. You and I both enjoyed uh, Loki. We both enjoyed Moon Knight. Um, other than that, I, there's not really many memorable shows that came out yeah, out of I that. Yeah, I mean, so, again, yeah. it, was a, it was kind of a one-off, but I think we both liked Hawkeye, kind of setting yeah. up the, the uh, Echo and Kingpin sort of plot line, which was nice. So exactly. So um, tune in for Loki. I think is it just a single episode drop? I don't know if they're going to do episodes one and two like Ahsoka, but it, it may be it may be two if it okay. was fall. I I don't know exactly, but that's yeah. I believe mm-hmm. airing tonight at midnight. Awesome. So we'll get you guys a review as soon as we uh, check that out and get a chance to record our thoughts on that. So you can look forward to that in the future as well as. Uh, the Haunted Mansion is about on, uh, now out yep. on Disney+, Plus. Yep. so RB's already seen it. I'm going to go ahead and watch it on my TV here at home, and we'll talk about The Haunted Mansion, because RB has given that high praise. I'm mm-hmm. very excited to check that out. Um, as well as Elementals, RB has been saying that's one worth a check out as well on Disney+, Plus. so we got some more Disney content coming towards you guys. Um, yeah, anything else? Yeah, well, likely as well. Dom, you oh, yeah. just delved into the world of Ted Lasso. Uh, you said you're just wrapping up season two, but once you get through all three seasons of that, we will go ahead and give Ted Lasso a review. Definitely what yes. I would call a once-in-a-generation show. I'm certainly hopeful yes. you share the same sentiments oh, yes. after finishing that. So really looking forward to reviewing that. And uh, maybe a whole lump-together review of Only Murders in the Building, uh, which mm. just finished up season three on Hulu, but we both watched that all the way through. So a lot of content in the hopper, ready to come out as uh, as we're ready to, to release the episode. So we hope you've been enjoying the episodes. And uh, for, for movie recommendations, anything we don't get a chance to review, something I watch that Dom doesn't see, or vice versa, be sure to check out our Letterboxd uh, accounts. You can find the links to those in the description. Um, go ahead and see what we're watching, what we're rating. And go ahead and give yourself an account as well and start rating and, and interacting. It's really a fun site to have a to have a chance to review movies and just sort of catalog what you've seen and what you've liked. Maybe you saw something a year or so ago that you, you ranked that you don't really remember liking as much as you ranked it. Go back, give it a watch. It's a really a great tool. We love using it. Uh, so Letterbox as well as feel free to interact with us on socials. You can find those 
uh, tagged down in the bio or in the description as well. Awesome. So we'll see everybody on the next episode of Top of the List. Later, everybody.